Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Thanks for tuning in. It's October the 25th, 2015. We're your hosts. I'm Will Strayhorn. And Alicia Brown. How are you doing, Alicia? What's going on? Oh, Lord. I'm having some technical difficulties, but it's okay. Um, are you? What's wrong? Not you. Yes, not you. What's wrong? <laughs> it's called you trying to do 50,000 things at one time. Uh, yeah. I, I, but I thought, you, I thought you were gifted. I thought you were gifted to that. And I'm okay. my guests. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. okay. Hallelujah. This is what happened when I don't have caffeine, so maybe I should have had some coffee today. Oh, yeah, you should have some All coffee, right. boo. Yeah. But yeah, how was your week? I feel weekend? like I've had espresso. <laughs> this is crazy. Weekend was amazing. Really, really, really amazing. Um, I've been, like I said, I've been crazy busy. But mm-hmm. I had a, a special consultation yesterday. Um, someone that I met, um, I shared, you know, the business of helping authors to actually become published authors. Um, so anyone that has a vision of writing a book. But I met this wonderful person a week ago. And yesterday, her and her godmother drove in about an hour, over an hour, to have that consultation. And, wow. you know, we sat there, you know, I was done in 45 minutes to an hour. We had our plans and everything solidified, but we sat there for like over two and a half hours, and it was just such a a worship session. So many things were confirmed, and and there's no greater joy than when you're doing something that you know is your purpose. Yeah, and someone comes to you with, yeah, and and I was going to say that you know, this is your purpose. This isn't what you thought you were going to do, but God placed it in your heart to do it. And when you right. see someone says, you know, I, I sort of had this idea, you know, I, I hadn't done it because of these reasons, and then you tell them how doable it is and you set out mm-hmm. a plan, to see the hope in that person's face, yeah. their joy, to know their dream is about to happen, and in any mm-hmm. way God allows you to play a part in it, mm-hmm. it just, every consultation is so special to me. It, it's not a business meeting. It, it just... And then when they give you their work and I'm sitting there editing it or putting it together or making developmental suggestions, I just take it so personal because, you know, everybody has a story. Everybody has something special to share with this world. And when you read it and you read the sentiments and the things they want to share, their experiences, it's just overwhelming. So it was a wonderful weekend. Well, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll... I think I'm getting caught in my feelings, as they say, because I oh, I have asked you a couple of times Uh-oh. to <laughs> talk to me. I wanted to come to your your last workshop because you know I'm hey, stuck in the process of writing. You reminded me during the show the day after. Boo boo! I have reminded you a month in advance when we first talked about it, and I gave you. Oh, so oh! You, you reminded me a month and a half in advance. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to remind somebody a month and a half before the event. <laughs> okay. Well, Kay Horn, now mm-hmm. you know any time you would like to have a sit-down, we can do that. Well, boo, we need to do that. Father. Okay, Let's put that on our agenda. Okay, yes. I will. Yes, Hallelujah. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you. Actually, no. I'm going I'm to get some props. I got to get some props, though. I said I would do this to my girl. Because, you know, another thing about purpose, mm-hmm. and this could be this could be for the audience as well, please don't be money hungry. Don't try to get all the dollars. Stay in oh, yeah. your lane. Know what you specialize in. And, you know, that's the whole point of networking, to know people that can assist people in other areas. So right. long story short, I'm going to make it short. Um, my client last week, one of my clients, she debuted her book. Beautiful book. She had a conference. You know, it was available, we did a rush job, perfect. But now she's in the position where she wants to have her website revamped. And whoever else she was working through, you know, she only had a few days or whatever, and and just, you know, does not know about technical things. Now, I know a few things, but I'm not the website person. I'm I'm not the one that will create you a website from scratch and do all those things. But I know someone awesome that is. So my girl, Danielle, hooked her up. And it's going to do her website and social media and actually was able to do it in a cost-effective medium for that person. So kudos wow. to Danielle. Yeah. Thank you, Danielle. Awesome. Oh, thank, thank you, you so thank much. you, thank you. Yes, <laughs> Girl, you better get it. That's all I want to say. So I, I want you to remind our listeners who may not have listened to previous episodes the name of your business and what you do, please. All right. Well, it's Danielle Booth Coaching and Consulting. It's named after me. So if you search com, you'll go straight to the website. We help new entrepreneurs who need help with websites, branding, social media engagement. And it was a pleasure to work with her. Uh, she has lots of ideas. She pretty much has it all together. She just oh, yeah. needs the vision to be placed on the website. So I love clients yeah. like that. So if we have some yeah. easy people... Definitely bring them my way. Hallelujah. Can can I still send you the ones that ain't so easy? Uh, Yeah, I'll take a few of those. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to have to ration them out then. Okay. Well, I forgot to ask Mr. Strayhorn how was his weekend. I'm a little scared to ask you that, though, but go ahead. Uh, It was a good weekend. I had a good weekend. I had a wonderful week at work. Um, Much needed. Um, School was busy, as usual. I had an opportunity. I went to Bush Gardens on yesterday. Realize that I'm getting older, getting older, yeah. Usually I could be there. I walked in there. We were in line. Each line, each ride, the line was no shorter than probably about at least an hour, 15 minutes. So we got there probably about 3 o'clock. We left about 9. And I was Hmm. like, we went on four rides all together, four rides. Shut up. Yes, and we went from ride to ride. We were in lines. I was like, I just can't do this uh anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, no, after I that, I went to you church. Did. You did? What did you, yeah, what'd you think? They had a write-up. Last, no, this was good. Well, probably not. They had a write-up the last time you went and you talked about how backed up it was. Yeah. They had a write-up talking about that. Oh, what did they say? Whoa, did they say why? I, they probably did, but I don't remember. But I remember people were just complaining about how they knew in advance that it was backed up and they weren't taking yes. any people and they were over their limit, but they still exactly. took their money for parking. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And, the, and what made it so bad is I had to pay $15 to park, but I had to park. They made some 
fake parking lot across the street that anybody could have driven into. So I was like, well, wait wow, a minute. I wow. just came from Alta Express when we went over here and parked, and I paid my Bush Gardens $15 to park. So I was like, yeah. Okay, no, no, yeah, no. I want you to hold up. Hold, hold up. What you say about how much? Did <laughs> you say $15? $15 to park. That's how much it is. Oh, the devil is a lie, and the truth ain't in them. And then I got to pay to get in the park, too. You got to pay to get into the park. I got to wait over an hour per ride. See, that's yep. why I don't do me. So and then when the lights went off, mm-hmm. they was jumping out of bushes, scaring you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got scared so many times. These, I mean, they did a good job. Because, you know, it's a hollow screen. We here for free, honey. We could scare you right here for free. <laughs> and y'all do, y'all do a good job of that. <laughs> oh, no. You see how he treats us? Mm-mm. Yeah. You going to need yeah, that nice episode about Beyond Faith. You going to need mm-hmm. that. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And went to church scared, today. Though, church was good. Okay, you went to church. Hallelujah. Yeah, I went to, two church. I went to church this morning, and then I went to church this evening. Um, and I, actually, the pastor's going to be calling in. I prayed for all you. Believe it or not, I prayed for each and every person on this line. I did. It I better have been a good prayer, too. It was good. It was good. It was really good. Yeah. Were you crying? I, I cried this evening, but it, it had nothing to do with y'all. It had to be. In, See, then I, you know, I don't care. I, I was called out. Like I was called out in church. That's what made me cry. I want to call <laughs> you out on. Let's talk about that now. Well, the pastor's calling in. Hopefully, he won't bring it up. But if he brings it up, then you know we'll talk about it. But oh no, yeah. yeah, I hope he do call in. We will talk. Thank about you, fooling yeah. people. You ain't. Yeah. <laughs> but how was everybody else's weekend? Nate, how was your weekend? Mm. Is he out of jail? I don't know with <laughs> Nate. Sometimes Nate in well, jail. Sometimes Nate out of jail. My weekend was good. Oh, um, there he go. I I didn't do anything this weekend. Again? Um, Nothing. Yeah. Last weekend you slept all weekend. Well, because I... Well, I didn't sleep. Unfortunately, I didn't sleep, but... Mm-hmm. What? Hello? Okay, he passed out. The spirit got him. Daniel, how was your weekend? You know what? The spirit got him. Daniel, how was your weekend, baby? Uh, my weekend was busy. I wore a bunch of different hats. So for my nonprofit, Achievable Greatness, I worked at Malibu Elementary. I engaged with the kids, passed out candy, mm-hmm. looked at all the different costumes. I enjoyed that. So that was tons of fun because I love little kids. And then oh, after good. that, I transitioned into empowerment mode and did an empowerment session with some young ladies. And, and that was yes. also a good time. So. It was busy, but it was eventful, and I had a good time. I didn't go to church this morning. I attended Bedside Baptist. Oh, uh, that's right. one of my favorite churches. I'm some Bedside Ministries every now and then. She, she girl, know, did you know so. we had the same service that this morning? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Girl, yes, I know you felt it. Mm. It, 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 was, it was lovely. I felt the word. It, it really was. Uh-huh. God is good. All the time, <laughs> God is good. You always need to stop. <laughs> That's okay. why you went twice, Will. You were going one time for, yeah. time for us. Yeah. You're you, right. Lord. Is, is Mr. Whistle back? Is he, is he can back? Can y'all not hear me? No, no we, we cannot hear you. Boo-boo. We thought the spirit took you out. We can hear you now. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, I, I've been going through some things. Yes, we see. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've been going through some things. The devil tried to take my joy. He tried to take my testimony. 
But I'm still here to tell it. I'm Go ahead, tell it. Go ahead. Because can't nobody tell my testimony like I can tell it. I know I know mm-hmm. you can't. Come on now. Now. Come on. I didn't do nothing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's your testimony. Okay. Lord I didn't go to church today. Sad. You did? But you I'm did glad not. somebody went. Okay. No. You did. He had bad and my prayer, my prayer this morning was not so much. I was trying to be selfless this morning. When I woke okay. up, my prayer was that, Lord, let somebody go to church this morning. Because I'm not going. My Lord. And to hear Will with the two church services, my heart is my, my testimony got, my prayers got to God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Y'all are too much. <laughs> okay. Let's move on over to our table topic. Um, I had the pleasure of having a good conversation with somebody. You know Oprah. You know I love Oprah. I think I'm Oprah on certain occasions. Please do not tell people that. No, I was talking to someone um, who loves Oprah as much as I do. Um, And we were just talking about... I didn't didn't think so either. I really didn't think so either. But um, we got to talking about um, Oprah and Gail's friendship and that, you know, we really wish we had friends just like that. And they brought up a good point. They brought up a question. So let me give you some information. Okay. To those of you who do not know about Oprah's and Gail's friendship. They met when they were both at a news station in Baltimore. They've, they've been friends for decades. Um, mm-hmm. Gail has all. usually when you hear about Gail, people say, you know, Oprah's best friend, Gail King. So she's really, mm-hmm. to look at her, you always identify Gail King with Oprah. She doesn't really, right. st- normally she doesn't really stand in her own. That's what people normally associate with her with Oprah. So she said, um, she was quoted saying one time that the truth is people know me because I'm Oprah's best friend. And she talks about me, King says, um, taking a break from Oprah and friends. Her new show, which what she said, wait a minute, she said, I don't, I don't think I'm not as good as Oprah because I'm her best friend. I never think that. She said, people say, God, it must be so hard. She said, well, it's really not because it's afforded me so many opportunities. I've gotten to meet a lot of people that I would never have met, I've gotten jobs that I would never would have had. She said, I say this all the time. I don't look at myself as standing in Oprah's shadow. I see myself as standing in Oprah's light. So, some facts about it. Oprah is her godkids. Her, she has two kids. Gail has two kids. Oprah is the godmother. She, um, when they had the babies, I think she had them in the 80s, Oprah bought Gail a nanny. And she told her she could have the nanny. She would pay her salary for mm-hmm. as long as Gail needed her. Um, later mm-hmm. on, when Oprah got more money, she said that she never wanted money to be an issue that separated them. So she gave um, Gail enough money that she would be self-sufficient. This was really after her divorce. So she made her a millionaire because she never wanted money to be anything like cause mm-hmm. jealousy, anything between the two of them. Um, and then countless other gifts. So here's the problem. Um, and this was in Access Hollywood back in 2011. Oprah had admitted to them that she was suffering. She had suffered from a nervous breakdown, admitting that it was was true. She said, in the middle of my struggling network, she suffered a breakdown. And this was in 2011 because Owen took off to a rocky start. Now, around that same time, Gail King had a show on the Oprah Network, the Gail King Show, she was mm-hmm. offered a position at the CBS morning show. Now, Gail 
resigned from Oprah's network, Oprah's struggling network, and she took a job at CBS The Morning Show. Now, I want you to assume that you don't don't make up any conversations that you think maybe Gail or Oprah had, no blessings mm-hmm. that Oprah or Gail had, nothing like that. I want you to just purely look at the situation. This friendship, Oprah doing so much for Gail, Oprah starting this new venture is struggling. It causes her to have a mm-hmm. nervous breakdown. In the same year, her best friend takes another opportunity to go to another network. I want you to first tell me, given this information that you have, um, do you think Gail was wrong in bailing out on her best friend when she was suffering so rough from the start of OWN? And then also, um, would you have taken that opportunity, you know, given the generosity and friendship that you had with Gail? Do you think she was wrong, and what would you have done? That's a loaded question. Yeah, you know what? That's a loaded question. I'm going to tell you this. Mm -hmm. This is what I think. This is being, I'm going to say being me. If this was me in this situation. That's the second question. So good. Mm -hmm. So being me, if I was in this situation, and see, it's it's always one, see, when you have a friend, Mm-hmm. It's when you have a friend, you don't have a friend that you just know. You know the heart of this friend. Right. And you know their intentions and you know, you know, they're not going to they're not going to intentionally do you wrong. So, if it was me, it wouldn't bother me if she went to a promotion. Um and CBS not in competition with Oprah because Oprah is a cable network station. So CBS isn't my competition. And then also it would be, because I'm sure it weighed heavily on Gail as well, but if my show isn't, if my show is going to give me the exposure that I want, then, yeah, I'm going to take the job. But knowing me being Oprah, I know that me, well, I'm going to say me being Gail, I know the heart of Oprah, and I know, especially Oprah's, her speech is, for you to be better or live your purpose, you know, uh-huh. so she wouldn't dare hold Gail back if she want her to live her purpose and live her authentic self. She wouldn't hold her, her back from what she feels is a greater power for herself. I'm I think that. Go ahead, okay, go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna say that that's the pretty answer. But if I'm Oprah, oh, I didn't oh. gave your butt a million dollars. I didn't <laughs> gave you a manny, and I'm struggling and I'm stressed out. You better keep your butt right over here and Ooh. help me shine, boo, because we ain't gonna be best friends no more. Now, oh, based, with, based on what Nate said, Oprah does have the spirit of go find yeah. yourself. Find your purpose, and she probably wouldn't hold a grudge, but Danielle would. Boo. Uh, I gave you a million dollars. So I'm going to need you to come over here and help this grow. Then you can go find your purpose. And Danielle asked Gail, I will write you a check for a million dollars. Hello? And I'll take it. You go ahead about you. (laughs) You say you'll take it. I'll take it. Well, all I'm going to say is, you know, y'all have brought up some very good points. But one thing that glares to me about this story, because, Will, you always said you were like Oprah. Yeah. And I remember asking, could I be Gail? So you've never mm-hmm. given right. me a million dollars. You've right. never mm-hmm. given Not me a million. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I'm hearing from this story is 
mm-hmm. you need to step up as far as what benefits I have from being affiliated with you. Wow. Did somebody think you were married to me? That's enough. Well, girl, I'm playing married. They friends. <laughs> they friends, honey. They ain't married. So, again, I, I'm going to need my, my benefits of, of association. But okay. if you just we'll, we'll talk about that off question. Oh, Lord. See, that means he don't want to, he don't want to agree with nothing that be contractual. But anyway, <laughs> look at the story. This is what I'm going to say. I agree with both Nate and Danielle. However, I'm going to say this. Y'all got a good friendship. You know, I've been in that position before. You come over, you know, you're, I don't think they're working together. We're working together just because they were friends. I'm mm-hmm. sure that has a great percentage to do with it. But a lot of times, you know, two people have like visions. So you see a place where we can work together. We have different talents that will benefit the other one. We're going to put our hands to the plow with this, and we're going to make this successful. So, of course, when um, Oprah wanted to launch with her own network, I'm sure Gail, yes, as her friend, but also as somebody that had worked with her previously, wanted to go over to that network and, and make this successful. At some point, sometimes things are just not working out the way we desire, and you get an opportunity like Gail apparently did with CBS. Some opportunities, I'm not going to say they'll never come again, but they're far and few in between. So you have to make a decision. I love my friend. I love their vision. I love what they're doing. We have worked together previously, but you know what? If this is really one of those stellar opportunities that may not come again for a while, or sometimes you get so lost in that person and your identity, you know, Gail is one of those people that she is, only referred to a lot of times as Oprah's friend. So I'm sure mm-hmm. at some point you want to be able to establish yourself by yourself. Yes, you've Your been with camaraderie. Right. I've enjoyed the benefits of being with you. Don't feel like I'm, you know, Isn't second it? to you, you know, if you're a confident person. But now I want to really establish my own brand and my own self, and you're only going to do that by separation. So yeah. if I was Gail, I mean – from the way it looked, yeah, you bailed out when your friend's sitting up here going through a nervous breakdown. That That's the way it looks, but it may that may not have been how it was. And it might have been one of those things where you're not going to get this opportunity again, so, hey, no, it's not a good time. But in that case, too, that person needs time to deal with their health or whatever. And I don't think the way Gail was, it wasn't like Gail could step in and be Oprah while Oprah got her health together. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, Gail's network. That's Oprah's network. So if you got to step down, yeah, there's some things I can take care of for you, but I can't be Oprah. Right now they need to see the face of this network. So if I was Gail, I probably would have done the same thing Gail did. I probably would have taken that opportunity. But, you know, part of me would have wanted to do double duty. No, we don't know the benefactors that went in as well between them two because I'm sure this was nothing that Gail was just like, they call at one site. But then even to – I wanted to bring it to our situation, to us. Bring mm-hmm. it on oh, home. God. If Will Strayhorn, which we believe, we all believe and we see that it's going to it's gonna get bigger than blog talk. Ain't that mm-hmm. the name yeah. of our station? So in blog talk, you know, we're on blog talk correct now, 
but soon Will's going to be bigger than life. And then he come and tell us, well, I'm going to have to shut the station down because mm-hmm. they ain't want all y'all. They just wanted me. We're not going to have hard feelings. We may burn his house well, down the first day. <laughs> oh, Lord. Look, and I Will cut me a million-dollar check. <laughs> and Will cut me a million-dollar check and give me a nanny, I will be his man right. for the rest of his life. I will be very loyal. <laughs> I'm gonna be like Kato was. Um, I'm gonna be like Kato was. Okay, well, OJ, I'm gonna live cool in the house. guest house. Bump yeah. all of Let me go in the guest house. Thank you. You can do what you gotta do. Be your star. I'm gonna be in the guest house. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Rick, let's move You're a little welcome. bit further. Okay, so I want to ask you all a few semi-rhetorical questions. I'm gonna ask you oh, some questions. Man. I already know the answers to them. Um, you don't know my answer. Everybody, who, who hasn't taken a plane trip? <laughs> Has anybody not flown on an airplane? I've been on an airplane. If okay. I say no, will All you give us. me a ticket? I sure Fair. will give you a ticket. I'll print it right here on my computer. You know, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> never mind. mind. <laughs> okay. So everybody here, you know, we, we've all planned a trip or a vacation to where, you know, we had to fly to a destination. So when we were planning our trip, did everybody, you know, book in advance your hotel where you're going to be staying? What did you do yeah, when you I got agree. there? Mm-hmm. To a certain degree. Did, anybody, did you all think about, you know, what you were going to be doing when you got there, or did you say, well, we just play it by ear when we get there? No, I plan what I'm going to do. I've done both. I, mm-hmm. yeah, it depends on the trip. I gotta have some itinerary. Okay, but did you just get on the plane and just say, you know, just take me anywhere? You, no. You had no. I okay. that though. <laughs> okay. So when you walk onto the plane, you know, you go onto your seat. Did you guys knock on the, you know, the cabin door to be introduced to the pilot or to no. mm-hmm. the pilot to talk mm-hmm. about their? Like, nobody did. No, because if they, you don't did look you do like that, I'm gonna be nervous. It's, it's Southwest. They they not I did, to but there. I didn't finish <laughs> the flight. You did what? what? I did knock on the cabin door, but then they threw me. I had to go. They they landed it. Oh, it was a big mess. I was still okay. okay. You throwing me off. That's what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> okay. So 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 let me just summarize this. So everybody here. You, you you made up in your mind that you were going to go on a vacation. You knew that you were going to fly by airplane. Before you mm-hmm. got there, you, 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 you said, I'm going to go ahead. You knew you were going to get there, so you went ahead and you planned, booked the hotel for however mm-hmm. long you wanted to stay there. You knew you were going to be in town, so you gave some type of thought, even if you didn't put out a full itinerary of what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. But you gave some thought of what you were going to do over the span of time that you were going to be there. Right. right? And then you got onto this airplane. You found your seat sat down, and then, you know, the plane took off and you flew, you, you flew to wherever you were supposed to go, right? Everybody mm-hmm. did that. That sounds pretty much right. to what you did. Okay, that's called faith. That's faith. So I want to know, if you did all of those things, you sat in the plane, you know, you, you didn't even know if anybody was in the cabin driving. You just knew. You knew that mm-hmm. somebody was driving that plane and that you were going to get to where you are supposed to go on time and that you would mm-hmm. be able to do the things that you thought that you were going to be able to do throughout that week. You gave no second thought to that. That's called faith. I want to know, what is it, if we can do all of that, fly in the airplane, mm-hmm. not seeing the pilot, sometimes we'll hear him, but we don't ever see him. Um, mm-hmm. Why can't we do that with God when we give him our problems? I want to know, why is it so hard for us to mm-hmm. do that when he's done so many things for us in the past? How is it so easy for us to have faith in planning a trip, getting into an airplane, not seeing the pilot, being thousands of feet in the air, 
not even knowing if he's back there, if he's alive, if he's breathing, or if he's on autopilot. If we can have that kind oh, of faith easy. for him, for that, why can't we have faith for God? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Um, to me, that's just because that's a part of our flesh and our makeup. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like when you go to a chair. I don't care if it's a chair in your home or you just go to a place you've never been to and you go sit down. You have faith that the chair, when you sit down, isn't going to collapse. Right. You believe mm-hmm. that chair is going to hold you into place. You've just learned to trust those things. But, you know, with God, even though we have this relationship with him and, you know, what he's done in the past for us, when he made a way out of no way, how soon we forget. And then I think one of the things that really play a factor in that, we can't see him. So, unfortunately, you take the example of people and relationships. If you really look at it, sometimes we're willing to trust a person that we don't know from Adam, but we have a hope that they're going to be what we need them to be. What's the more faith in them than somebody we say we serve and we have a relationship with? Doesn't make sense, but I think it's just human nature. And for me, I'm just a control freak, so I don't oh, put much faith sometimes in God because I want to control everything. And I'm like, okay, God, I trust you, but let me figure this out and let me yeah. put my two cents in. And, and and that's part of my problem with my faith. And so when the uh, experience of taking a trip, I play some control in that. I can control what airline I yeah. want. I can control yeah. the location I want to go to. I can control if I stay on that plane or if I decide, oh, no, I don't trust that this is going to go well, and I can get off. But with faith, it's a little bit different. I'm trusting that I'm allowing God to work this thing out for me, and I don't get to play all those significant roles and how it's going to work out. So that's the struggle for me because I want to control it. But you know what? I'm glad you made that point because now you're taking me back. We had a discussion similar to that a couple weeks ago, and I think one of my problems as a control freak, we segment things like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what I need from God for this particular situation. I have the belief, okay, well, I can handle ABC, so then that's my job to go take care of that. But everything Mm -hmm. else after that are the parts I feel like that's bigger than me. Okay, that's God's job. Mm -hmm. When instead... From the spiritual aspect, I should be going 100% complete surrender. God, you show me from A through Z. What would you have me to do? Yeah. Order my steps literally. I'm going to take each step based on what you told me to do, but we don't do that. We're going to take care of what I can take care of because, you know, that's my job. And then if it gets too hot or it gets too heavy, okay, God, well, then that must be your part. So I'm mm-hmm. glad you said something about control freaks. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I do, and that's totally wrong. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Nate, you have an opinion? I'm scared. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's crazy with me because I think my faith, as far as faith goes, I think I have a very strong faith. And where I, when I give God problems, I give them up. I don't worry about them because I'm not a worrier. I'm not a stressor. So I, when I give it to him, I give it to him. My problem is when I have to do something. So I have the problem with my own self. When he gives me a task, I have mm-hmm. a problem with doing the task because I still 
sometimes it's like, Lord, why me? Why you want me to do it? <laughs> so that's my issue with faith, not having faith that if he give me something, mm-hmm. I can do it. <clears throat> well, you know, in light of tonight's topic for Faith Beyond Belief, I wanted to just ask a couple questions Um of course, we're going to have author Margaret uh, Placentra Johnson, who wrote a book, Faith Beyond Belief, Stories of Good People Who Left Their Church Behind. Um, and, you know, there's recent reports in America that says church attendance and membership is on the decline, uh, on the decline, especially with millennials or younger people. Um, so several reasons have been given, but I want to sort of hear the panel's reasons. Has anyone ever walked away from the church? And if so, Why? Yeah. <laughs> Walked away from church? Yes, right like completely. Yeah. It could be an individual church, or you can just say you had a time where you just took off from all churches altogether. Yeah. I've had multiple times oh, yeah. where I walked away from church in multiple different situations. Say, yeah. I know I have, so. <laughs> <laughs> and what are some of the reasons that you guys just want to throw out there? Well, mine was teen pregnancy. I was knocked up, and it didn't look well to be going to church with Christian grandparents who who do right and live right, and they got this grandchild that's knocked up. So I didn't want to come, show my face. I felt like, uh, to me, looked down on me. And those kinds of things made me feel like, well, I don't belong here anymore. So I didn't want to go. And unfortunately, that's still an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mine is just church folk as a whole. They are being vicious, hateful, bite, bite, and talk down oh, on your people. What kind of biting? Low. Bite. Oh, Lord, so you know I'm country. <laughs> <laughs> y'all ain't right. Well, I Where remember you? from yeah. y'all ain't right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember well, I you know me. Church. You know me. Uh-oh. No, me and church. And Praise us. I I have been to I have I'm probably on the membership of most of the churches in Hampton Roads. I would dare say. Really? Um, I'm sure I have. I don't because I think you're supposed to cancel your membership. I've never done that. Yeah, you write a letter. Um, yeah, they take me off. You write a letter, did you? So yeah, never done. I didn't know you write no letter. Yeah, you're <laughs> supposed to write either. an official letter or oh, well, I got um, letter some people, write. some churches will yeah. let you do an informal. You sit down and you talk to them. Oh, that would see, be a book. No, but no, I have no, not. And I have a problem. <laughs> I normally leave church, like pretty much like Nate said, church people. But then again, hypocrisy. That has really become a big issue for me. Um, I was in church tonight, the second service I went to, and the pastor of the church is online, so he'll be weighing in in a few seconds Yay. after we all finish. Um, but the bishop that came and spoke said, you know, you keep going to these churches who want your stuff, or they want mm-hmm. your gifts, but they don't want you. Especially when you mm-hmm. um and I, I'm going to put it out there. I've been in a relationship with, you know, a person who people want him to sing. People want him to sing. Um, and I see exactly how they feel and where their heart is. Um, and, mm-hmm. and basically they're pimping you. They're pimping you for your gift. They're pimping you for your yeah. music, the, I mean, for your money. And I, I just think that's mm-hmm. bad. I think that's really bad. So it's really putting a, I put a bad taste in my mouth for church on the whole. Um, I have found that post that I put up today that I didn't give up on God. I just gave up on the church um, mm-hmm. and the people who run the church. Um, mm-hmm. And right now I'm in a season where I'm not, I don't I don't belong to a church. I'm sure I'm on the membership for some, but I don't belong to a church in particular. 
Um, I've just been going to wherever God, I get up and I just drive to a church. I get what I need. I've learned how to tune out some of the hatred that they spit from the pulpit. I grab what I need and then I leave. Um, Today I went to a service this evening again, and it was a wonderful service. I had an awesome time. Um, But before I bring him on the line, who else wanted to weigh in on the question? I haven't heard from Liz tonight. Um, I think the reason, I don't want to say I left, but when I went, when I left home and I went to college, um, I think that whole, you know, I'm an adult now so I could do what I want to do. But also Mm. when you get older and what you've been taught, I guess, and what's been, you know, drilled in your mind is different from how you personally believe. It's kind of, it it hurts a little bit because it's like, well, how I grew up, pastor said this and my mama said this and my daddy said you know if this happened I'm going to hell but you know this is what I personally believe so it's kind of like you sitting in church and you're uncomfortable so I personally haven't I mean in the past six years I've probably been to church maybe 50 times because I just I feel uncomfortable it's like mm, I don't really like where this is going so I haven't I haven't gotten to the place where I can be like Will and, you know, get what I need to get and move on. A lot of times I will get up and leave if I'm just like, you know what, this this really isn't what I'm about yeah. right now. So I mm. think what I was raised and then how I personally feel, there's a there's a conflict, and I don't like how that conflict feels. And, Liz, that is a really good point because I believe everybody gets to that point in life one day or in church in general where you have to accept the thi- oh will you put this up accept the things you cannot change right mm-hmm. correct but sometimes yeah. you have to get to that point that you get there where you have to know him for yourself mm. you know that's, because that's true to me every every church you go to that's that pastor's interpretation right mm-hmm. and then a lot of that is how they were raised a lot of that is that's true their beliefs and how they were raised so you get a lot of that too and everybody don't believe the same thing so you have to you have to find them for yourself you have to know your own truth with God so that's just one that's one of the things that I love most most about my gifts because when I utilize my gift in church I utilize it in truth because I know who I am and I know who God is to me so I get to do my what I do in truth. Mm-hmm. I ain't got well, to hide behind nobody. Okay. I'm going to add to that when you said something about in truth, because I was raised with a very non-traditional religion. Um, I left that once I turned 17. Um, so I was out there trying to figure out religion for myself, went to college, did religious studies, um, just trying to figure out. And I can say from that point forward, I never went to a church that God didn't lead me to. Because I told the Lord, since I am confused over my childhood um, upbringing, I know that's not what I believe, but I'm looking for you and looking for where I'm supposed to go. You tell me where to go. So since that period when I actually went to traditional churches, I've only been the member of three churches. And each time God told me to go, and each time I felt like he told me when it was time to leave. Um, the yeah. first church loved it, had no problem with them. But I knew that it was time I had outgrown them. And literally, I remember that morning I was driving to the, I went to the church ready to step out the car, and just something in my spirit said, don't go in. 
And my immediate question was, where am I supposed to go? And, you know, it was put in my spirit, get in the car and drive and I'll lead you, which was really odd. But I was led to a particular church. I had visited one time before with a friend, went to that church, and was a member there for many years, served. But you know what? This is what I can say I actually left for a reason that wasn't I outgrown. It wasn't pleasant. And the reason was is the fact that I looked around. I appreciated the worship when I first came here. I appreciate a lot of the biblical teachings, but I felt it had turned into an environment where it was more about the money. Um, Mm -hmm. There were certain leaders who were very Mm mean-spirited. And I'm one of those people, I feel like you, you, when you have a church, there's diverse people. People have all type of backgrounds. People have all type of pain. They've been through all type of traumas. So you don't get the reason to say, well, this is just who I am. You don't get a who I am when you're leading God's people. You have to be able to be led by God to lead all different type of people and meet them where they are. And I felt it was getting to the point that that some of the leadership's personality was really toxic. And I Uh felt, you know, I saw so many people saying, well, you know, nobody's perfect and da-da-da-da-da. And that that is true. But when you see people literally crying and I don't want to be here but my husband loves it or I'm the husband, I can't stand this place but my wife loves it, it doesn't take all that to serve God. Uh So my thing is if I can't be here under and feel safe, feel loved and cared for, and feel like, you know, my whole objective is to learn God's word and to learn the truth of the Bible and grow and be enriched, I have no place here. Any longer, so I did leave. And to make a long story short, there were several years I I couldn't find the church, and God led me to the church where I am now, and I've been there several years. I love it. It's like nothing I ever been to, and it is the focus on being a Bible teaching church. So you know some of the reasons people give for why they walk away from church, why they don't go to church. I'm just happy to have the church that I do have because it's unique and it's different from a lot of the stereotypical things that we say we don't like church. Um, but yeah, that's my experience. But Will, I want to hear what your pastor had to say from the evening. Yes, um, I'm going to bring. Like I said, I went to a um, a service this evening, and Pastor Chris of Open Arms Open Arms Outreach Ministries um, had Bishop Brian, who was from Atlanta, um, on, and he was just talking about some experience. But he made he had a few points which were aha moments for me uh, when I said. You know, these people who want your gifts, they want your stuff, but don't necessarily want you there. So I want to just give him an opportunity to um, reply to the statement. So help me welcome from the Open Arms Outreach Ministries, Pastor Christopher Bush Winston. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. So, so, Alicia, (laughs) ask him the question. Again, thank you for inviting me to the event. It was wonderful. I can't wait to worship with you again. Well, thank you for coming. We really enjoyed your presence. You know, you're, you're always so well-dressed and look so good, and then you make us look <laughs> thank good. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, that sounds well, like Will. Special people, uh-huh. yeah. It's like, well, we know he actually went in attendance. He was telling the truth. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, Pastor Chris, I want to ask you, why do you feel people are leaving the church? Um... What I would probably say, um, one of the main reasons is I would probably say 
is there is a difference, and I think y'all hit on it so many times, there's a difference between religion and relationship. Mm-hmm. And one of the things y'all had talked about is millennials leaving the church. And what we're doing is that people are leaving the church because there's so much religion there. It's not mm-hmm. really a relationship. It is what grandma taught us and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, auntie taught us. And so then we grow up and it's religion. And the problem with religion is it's not relevant. You know, mm. the, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's not relevant what we're teaching. Um, so that is one of the big reasons for my community. I uh, minister to a lot of LGBT people, L, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. So, um, y- you know, we come to church, and uh, like Will said, we get pimped out. Um, you know, they want us to sing, right. uh, but and, and it's even worse because sometimes we can preach. They allow us to preach, but as soon as we say of who we are, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, it's a problem. In fact, we can even preach. We just have to condemn ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Pastor Chris, not to interrupt you, but the bishop that you had there, I believe he said that this was the first affirming church that he had been to because he had actually been one of those preachers that was that was um, preaching hatred from the pulpit before, I believe he said, correct? Well, um, I'll, I'll even say this. I was uh, When I first started out, I was not, you know, LGBT affirming. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily call myself, I don't think I was a basher um, by any means, but I definitely, you know, (laughs) I started out briefly. Now, a lot of times, you know, I I, I sometimes couldn't pass very well sometimes, so a lot of times I kind of strayed away from that subject. But, yeah, I wasn't at one point supportive. I was just, into religion where people taught you something and you believe what somebody told you. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, he, uh, the, uh, guest speaker of our, for today, our, our, minister, Bishop Bryant, he actually, uh, came out maybe about a year or two ago. Um, okay. and, um, his fellowship, of course, um, you know, his fellowship, Basically, you know, went through the typical transitions that a lot of fellowships do go through when the minister comes out, and you know, and and, and I want to tell you, it's probably the most difficult thing that you can ever uh, deal with as a minister because um, you pour into people's lives, you help people, you work with them, and as soon as you come out, yeah. those same people will turn on you. And they're the most vicious people in the world, the most vicious attacks you could ever have. And I remember when I was a youth minister, um, I remember when I came out, uh, there were people and young people who I mentored and picked up from school and 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 watched, when, you know, when their parents were on drugs and, and let them stay with, uh, you know, my family and so forth and so on. Uh, but when I came out, you know those kids were now they they would just think the most awful things and you know well, and tell you you know you need to repent and it's like do you realize that I picked you up from school and I I, I taught you how to be a Christian. But well, Pastor Chris, is that maybe part of the problem? Mm-hmm. That a lot of times now you know we do have the issue where we have affirming churches and we have 
the what would be quote unquote traditional churches. So, you know, we do have this split. That's right. Um Is one that of the affecting things, people leaving the church? I'm sorry, could you say that one more time? Is that what might be affecting people leaving churches? Maybe not feeling like there's that environment there for them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um one of the things I, I do wanna I wanna say that I'm always careful about is a lot of times folks will go and we will say, um we will go and we will say, you know, um let's go leave the church because I'm not getting this or getting that. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things that we've gotta be careful with the church is number one, the church has never been called to answer certain questions in our lives. So when uh-huh. we come and talk about church, a lot of folks come to church and they want, they have a list of things. And if we look at a biblical example of what the church is, the church was never supposed to answer those questions in the first place. I will also say, too, that we talked a lot about, and I, and I was listening in on, on this uh, as y'all began, one of the things we also got to talk about, this was actually the sermon from the bishop tonight, is that a lot of times we come to church and we want to, to be feel, we want to feel welcomed and we want to be there, but at the same time it's a place where we also have to give. A lot yeah. of times we have to make a place for ourselves. You know, the Bible says the gift, our gifts make, uh, make room for us. And sometimes we come to church and we just want to be, uh, you know, soothed and we want to fit in. But at the same time, we also have to ask, what are we giving? Because if we're not accepted at a church, but then we have a gift, maybe our gift will show people, hey, wait a minute, you know, this person we do need to be welcome, we do need to welcome in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I will, I will just say this, uh, going back to this one more time. I, I, I fiercely, especially as a younger person, I think that church has got to be a place of irrelevancy. It's not just entertainment that churches are not entertaining. But that you've got a preacher up there who is not saying something that is relevant. And I believe that's the main reason why people leave. It's all the mm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Chris. And we, we've already talked about you coming on the show for, you know, your own topic soon. But I want to thank you for calling in. And I will definitely be yes. back. And I, I, I should be the Bible study on Tuesday, too, I think. Amen. Amen. Praise well, we them. All right. We got, yeah, we got some hard subjects this, this, this Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Ooh, thank you, Lord. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. You're welcome. All right. Whew. We're going to, oh, won't the Lord do it. Thank won't you. he do it? Thank you stupid. Woo, won't he, won't he, won't he. Well, okay. somebody that I can't wait to hear from is author Margaret. Placentra Johnston. Of course, like we said earlier in the show, she has written this wonderful book talking about faith beyond belief, stories of good people who left their church behind. So what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back to interview her and hear more stories as, as far as some of the reasons people are leaving church today. Every child needs a place, a place to call home. To call home. Every child needs a place. Where they can grow up healthy. And learn. And be safe. 
States, a place where they can play and dream and plan for their future. In the Habitat house, my parents helped build. In the Habitat house, my daddy helped build. My parents. My mommy. My mommy and daddy. I study. I grow. I learn. I live. A house. A house. A house. A chance. A future. A house. A chance. A future. Are all in your hands. Your support can help. Put a decent roof. Over the heads of a family like mine. Like mine. Like mine. To learn how you can help, visit Habitat.org. This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Heart disease is the leading cause of death worldwide, and in the U.S. it's related to one in four deaths. Smoking, a sedentary lifestyle, and poor eating habits can increase your risk for a heart attack or stroke. Simple changes can help maintain a healthy heart. If you smoke, quit. If you don't smoke, don't start. Exercise regularly and eat a healthy diet that includes plenty of fruits and vegetables and foods low in saturated fat and sodium. Cardiovascular disease often occurs without warning signs, so regular checkups are important to detect problems before they become life-threatening. Thank you for joining us on A Minute of Health with CDC. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. Club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs. Every child follows a path in life. For many, that path will lead them to a door, a door that gives them a place to grow, to learn, to belong, a place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. To learn how you can support your local Boys and Girls Clubs, visit greatfutures.org. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm your co-host, Liz Garrett. Our next guest is the author of Faith Beyond Belief, stories of good people who left their church behind which highlights 10 Courageous People's Quest for Spiritual Integrity, coupled with the author's commentary. Author Margaret Placentra Johnston demonstrates how these inspiring stories should eliminate, illuminate our own search for a form of faith that connects with an ever-evolving understanding of life. So please help me welcome author Margaret Placentra Johnston. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. How are you today, Miss Margaret? Just fine, thank you. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, Miss Margaret, in your opinion, what makes people leave their church, the traditions of their faith, and sometimes even their friends and family members to embark on a personal journey of spiritual discovery? 
Okay, well, it's not really just my opinion. It's more from studies I've done of people who have actually studied the faith development process. But a common problem is um, that people in today's world more and more are faced with issues that present cognitive dissonance. So there's a difference between what their preacher is telling them and um, what they're experiencing in life. So that causes them to balance one set of values against the other. Um, you know, the, the preacher is telling them perhaps if it's a literal type of uh, belief system, you know, that uh, only our religion is right and, you know, God is exactly what we say he is and, and that sort of thing. And the people are, meanwhile, you know, they're hearing different different types, people from different cultures that they rub up against in their neighborhood and their work and their schools and, um, they, they run people with different type of beliefs, and they have to force the way off one against the other. And sometimes what the literal preacher is saying doesn't measure up. So that sort of tends to people either walk away or they open up to a larger uh, viewpoint than what the preacher is telling them. And Good evening, Ms. Johnson. This is Alicia Brown. Hi, Alicia. We, hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Pretty good. Looking at your book, you have so many different people, like you said, from different cultures and different um, faiths, a lot of information to really give us a, a good, good base on this topic. What were you trying to accomplish when you wrote Faith Beyond Belief? Well, Alicia, I find um, personally that the literalist-type religions are kind of divisive when they preach that their beliefs are right and everyone else's are wrong. And so I was trying to show that there are a number of people who have studied the faith development process that show that a more evolved or more mature level of faith is when a person opens up to a bigger picture, something that connects everyone, something that includes everyone and can apply to everyone, not just Christians, not just Muslims, you know, but everyone. So rather than thinking we are a chosen people and we have the right answer, we can say everyone has, every religion has a part of truth. And we kind of need all this to put together a full picture of what it's all about. And looking at the different cultures, the different people that mm-hmm. you encounter in your research, the concept of faith beyond belief, was that common or was it really something that was abstract depending on who you were talking with? Hmm. I'm not sure I really follow your question. Was it common? Um, the people I chose, the people whose stories I chose to use in the book were people who had gone through this faith development process that seems to have been laid out by, well, in the book I discussed 12 theorists, people from different academic backgrounds or spiritual backgrounds, different parts of the world and even different centuries who all described this process of faith development and the process involves getting beyond the literal level of belief, um, going through a period of questioning and then uh, reappropriating some type of faith but like in a different way, not in the same divisive literal manner that we sometimes hear from the pulpits, certain types of pulpits. Gotcha. Hi, Ms. Johnson. This is Danielle. I also um, was listening as you were talking about doing the research piece and pulling together those theorists. Could you give us a little bit more information um, about why those individuals were significant and why you chose them? 
Sure, Daniel. First, I was just kind of blown away the first time I heard this uh, spiritual development uh, theory. And the first one I ever heard of, um, I just happened to stumble across a book by M. Scott Peck, um, The Different Drum, where he, he, had, he was a psychiatrist. And he found in his practice that sometimes to help a person out of their pain or whatever their problem was, he had to lead them toward religion. Other times, mm-hmm. a different person, he would have to, to help them out of their pain. He had to lead them away from religion. And in searching to understand this, he developed a, a notion about these stages of belief, stages of spiritual development. Then um, I was shocked to encounter other books by other authors, all of whom, using different terminology, using different numbers of stages, but all of whom described the same trajectory. So the next one we might talk about is uh, Dr. James Fowler. He did his research in the 1970s, I believe, but he had a, actually had a team of interviewers who went out and interviewed uh, 350-some people, and they actually developed, according to the answers they got, they developed specific stages of faith. And the first, you know, the... Um, most the, the typical one where most people in most religions are is what he called uh, synthetic conventional faith, which is kind of, you know, where the priest or the preacher or the minister tells you what the truth is, or you read the Bible and you assume that's what the truth, the truth, uh-huh. the only truth is. Um, but that's coming from an outer authority, and so in order to go through this maturation process, you have to develop something, some kind of inner authority. So that comes to where you start to own your beliefs, so, or disown, as the case may be. You come up against a, a topic that causes you problem rationally, something that you just can't buy that the preacher uh-huh. told you. And you question through it, and you may come out on the other side as a non-believer, or you may come out as someone who has reinterpreted what the message was in a way that you can accept. Um, so you have to go through this rational reasoning process. And then the people who come out in the other side of that into that type of faith that the book is titled after, the faith that occurs beyond literal belief, it's more of a unifying type of faith, more where um, you have a little bit looser definition. So when you use the word God, you may or may not be talking about this literal guy and this guy with a beard. Um, And when they say heaven and hell, they may not be actual geographical places. They might be states of existence. And so you learn to interpret things in a way that would also lend credibility to other religions and people from other cultures. And, you know, in other words, it's more inclusive and not so, you know, we're right and everyone else is wrong, like the literal level is. Okay. Hi, Margaret. This is Will. I just wanted to ask you, uh, so you're quoted as saying that faith beyond belief, you know, may not be a book for everyone. So, you know, if your religion brings you needed comfort against a world filled that so much filled with fear or, you know, Mm -hmm. the thought of questioning religious belief threatens you, you know, your view of reality or how you see the world, that you may do better to steer clear of this book. Why why do you say that? Well, well, a lot of, um, again, not even based on my research but the work of these theorists, a lot of that faithful, what I call that literal level of religion, the faithful level or what Fowler called synthetic conventional faith, um, a lot of that is based on fear and people need definite answers. They can't deal with the 
paradoxes of life. They can't deal with discrepancies. They need clear-cut answers. You know, God is up there. He's a being with a beard, and when we die, we're going to see him. And you know, They need this kind of answer to get through the, the, the trials and tribulations that everyone faces in life. So I don't think, I did not write my book to try and convince people from that level to give up their faith. They need, they need their belief system. Okay. What I was trying to address is the fact that the other kind of faith, the post-critical faith, the last couple of stages in spiritual development, are so not articulated in our society that most people don't realize they exist. They feel that it's either you believe exactly what the preacher says or you don't believe and you're an atheist and therefore you're going to hell. (laughs) So it seems that that's what our culture has divided people up into. And it's so much more complex than that, and it's actually so much more beautiful that I wanted to open people's mind to, okay, let's open it up. What else could it be if it doesn't have to be my way or the highway in religion? What What else could faith be about? And I think it's about unity and including everyone and accepting people and just something bigger than the judgmental type of religion. Exactly. So, Ms. Johnson, hi. This is Nathan Whitfield. Okay, Nathan, hi. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. So, I, so knowing that, you know, we're, we have this division in church, what advice do you offer those who feel alienated by the religious by their religious upbringing yet do not want to abandon their underlying truths of religion doctrine or dog and dogma well my goodness that's kind of what my book was about it was um how to see faith in a different way so if you can't buy the literal line it doesn't mean you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater but you know, by the increasing number of what they call nuns in our society, the N-O-N-E-S, people who don't uh, ascribe to any particular religion, um, you can tell that an awful lot of people are being alienated by this, what often sounds silly, you know, that um, you shouldn't talk to people who aren't from your religion, and, you know, if they don't go to your church, they're going to hell. I mean, people in in our society today, it's really hard to buy that. (laughs) So... The point of the book was to say it doesn't have to be either or. You know, you could be in this other other level. You could get beyond the questioning stage and re, re, reattach yourself to some form of faith without having to believe everything that they said, everything the preacher says or everything in the Bible. Oh. Wow. And, you know, so much information that you shared. Um, I was sitting here reminiscing because a lot of the things you said about the different um, research and religion reminds me a lot of the religion I grew up with, and um, there was a lot of that. You're, you know, this is the only true religion, and you know, anyone that be- doesn't believe this is wrong. So, um, yeah, a lot of people have gone through that. Um, in your research, did you find anything in particular that happened to the spiritual life of people who left the traditional uh, churches of their childhood? Sure. Um, there were I, I can divide them up kind of arbitrarily into two groups. They're the people who just simply came across something they couldn't buy, and they just they allowed their entire belief system to collapse. Um, that's not exactly a bad thing. I call that the rational level. These people mm-hmm. tend to become conscience based. In other words, they're 
they're not um, ruled by the literal rules in religion. That's not what guides their behavior. They are guided by their conscience. So that's you know not a bad place to be. However, they are perhaps ignoring, um, because it's not articulated in our society, the other option. And the other option would be to re-engage with some type of faith in a non-literal way. So... Um, yeah, see, so that's that's the other way. You know, the other the, the the first four stories in my book are people just moving away from religion and dropping it there. We call that the rational level. And then there's mm-hmm. people who found a way through you know many years of whatever living, um, and the challenges and whatever, found a way back towards some type of faith. Now, very few of them wound up in the same religion they started out in. But they wound up with a broader view that they could choose this religion or that religion and they could express their spirituality in many different ways. They just choose the one that's more comfortable for them. In other words, it's not so much a final answer as just a means to an end, a means to connect with something larger than themselves. But it doesn't have to be, you know, a particular, this church is right and the only one that works. Gotcha. And that might be something that people definitely... um, to benefit from in this time where we said earlier uh, there's such a decline in church membership and in, in church following, especially with the younger audience. But I did want to ask you, where can um, listeners find your book as well as follow you for more information? Okay, well, certainly um, my book is available on Amazon, of course, and might be still in some bookstores. It was published in 2012. Again, the name of the book is Faith Beyond Belief, Stories of Good People Who Left Their Church Behind. More information is available on my website, faithbeyondbelief-book.com. Again, faithbeyondbelief-book.com has lots of information about the book. Wonderful, and definitely will direct our listeners there um, for something that is so valuable and so important. But once again, Ms. Johnston, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this information. Yes. Okay, well, thank you so yes, much. I've you. enjoyed being on the show. Awesome. Thanks. And you have a good evening. Well, thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow, I, I, like I said before, I mean, there was a lot of stuff she was saying that, you know, it took me back to childhood. It really did. Um, and, you know, in our circle, plus just different people you meet, when I hear the different stories of why they either have left the church or we talk about church hurt or the pain they have felt maybe sometimes in their own current church, it's mm-hmm. really disheartening because, you know, that's not – You think about God and you think about who he is and your relationship with him. You would hate to think there was anything in any shape or form that would deter people from having that or that would have people so focused on something else that they don't get to cultivate or have that as an additional or further extension of their personal relationship. Um, So that is really interesting some of the information that she shared and some of the things that you know even pastor chris was uh talking with us about earlier this evening but you know (laughs) i'm sorry no um, pastor chris is talking about the relationship piece and i think that that's a part that's missing and she kind of touched on that too about uh the importance of building that relationship and that will pull people back into the church yes yes and you know i i think 
I said, you know, since I've been an adult, there's only been three churches I've been a member of, and each one of them I was led to go. Um, and that's one of the things I would say that I really appreciated about them is the fact that they focus on relationship first. Mm-hmm. I love it when a pastor is candid and says, whatever I say here in the pulpit, you get out your own Bible. You take it home and you read it. And you go uh-huh. before the Lord and see what the Lord tells you. Um, you you need that approach. It's not everything about the pastor. You right. know. Exactly. I think Mr. Whitfield has something to say. Uh-huh. I do. I have a question that I want to ask. Um, I know Liz, and I hope that I'm not you know, out in anybody. But I know Liz and Will that I would like to ask this question. Since we're talking about church hurt and, you know, going to church and feeling alienated, do do you are you guys bothered when the preachers speak about homosexuality? Does that bother yeah. you? Is that a yeah. breaker for hmm. you? Yeah. Oh, I got a question. Yeah. Uh, constant. When he constantly talks about it in the pastor today, I had given him so much credit, and he spoke about it today. But even himself, he's, he has, he was hesitant when he talked about it. So um, I mm-hmm. kind of forgave him on that. But when it, when it's in, uh, I listened to the spirit in which it came. From the okay. If I felt like he was speaking to me like he did not want me there, then I would oh. oblige and I would leave. Um, but still, I think everybody is uh, like the pastor, the bishop that spoke tonight. He, um, God's constantly working on everybody, and some people have, you know, a change of heart. So um, if if it's a situation where I think he's being vicious and he's being hateful, does not yeah. want me there, then I'll leave. But um, the pastor who I heard this morning, um, I, I didn't get that from him. So no, I'll be back to him. Mm-hmm. I'll be back to the oh, church. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Liz. What about you? Um, I don't want to say I get mad or anything, but I'm like, well, if you're coming in a, oh, if you're gay, you're going straight to hell. And like, I remember last year, um, I saw on a church conference and there was a pastor going in and he was like, basically, well, if you want to be gay, then you can bleed out of your anus like a woman. And I'm just like, that's extreme. He said it oh, no, that's so way inappropriate. Yeah. When you say stuff yeah. like that, I feel like you're not coming from a perspective of Christianity, number one, right. and you're not coming from a p- place of love. Place of love, if you say right. that exactly. to me, that doesn't make me want to change my ways at all because you're exactly. being very hateful. Amen. Well, so Nate, you didn't ask like me. That, yeah. oh. <laughs> I don't want to cut Liz off. I know, Nate, you didn't ask oh, no, me the question. <laughs> But, yeah. but I feel some type of way about people uh, doing that at church, personally. Uh, and, and for me, it's it's like you pick a portion of, of, a, of a book and harp on a portion of it, and we don't talk about all the other issues like the pastor having babies outside of the marriage and all uh-huh, these uh-huh, other familiar. things that individuals uh-huh. are doing while sitting in church all high and mighty. And I have Ooh. an issue with you looking at someone's decision and telling them that that is wrong. I don't get to decide what's wrong for Alicia, what's wrong for Will, what's wrong for Nate. The only person I get to determine life for is Danielle. So you know what? 
I'm uncomfortable with people. Uncomfortable <laughs> with people who get before me and tell me that the way I'm living is wrong. What you can do is tell me about the Bible. What you can do mm-hmm. is tell me to read my Bible and make my own determination. Now that works. But when you get before me and you tell me my right and my wrong, that don't work for me. Exactly. I'm a little bit mixed. Um, for bo- for most of y'all that know me, I'm always a little bit mixed because it's not that I'm mm-hmm. conflicted. It's just that yeah, you they, just it's not that I'm conflicted. It's that you know I'm always. Uh, it's not black and white. I like to look at both sides of the spectrum and, if possible, have a happy medium, but that's not life in general. I just feel that we talked about the relationship first, and we we understand that religions, the reason we have so many different religions, or you could say denominations, is their interpretations. So, you know, one read the Bible, and, and from what you believe, we have the denomination of Baptist. Somebody else read the Bible, we have the denomination of uh, Episcopalian. You know, there's different denominations based on different tracks of thinking. So my thing is, and I, I have, I've said things about it before, the homosexual, how can I say, um, focal point as far as religion that has always been a, a sort of a sore topic with me because I, I think in traditional churches that, from my experience anyway, you use the topic that you believe the majority of the members are against. Mm. And then you use that topic and you drive in the ground. So I feel like the exactly. majority of my members are not homosexuals. So this is the topic we can be on this class about. Exactly. So we all feel that, good. That is, so, that is so funny that you said that because I think that is one of the things that church people, if you ever seen church people react to homosexuality topics, they get excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The reason why they get excited because it's something that they can't, they don't understand. And it's exactly. a I'm going to say a sin because that's what they say. And when they talk about that being a sin, that's not a sin that they can even phantom being a part of. So they get but excited and clap their hands because and that's what you do behind closed doors. But, but anywho. But when you talk about something they're related to, then it get quiet in the church. Uh-huh. No, because we can sit up there and beat up on Stop homosexuals. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's my thing. I, and you know if, what? If you believe that homosexuality is a sin according to the Bible, I have nothing wrong with you preaching that. But here's always been my take on that, and sometimes people have looked at me funny or wanted to, to be negative. I really could care less. If we're going to talk about homosexuality being a sin, fine. That's what you can preach. But let's talk about all the other sins of the Bible. Because exactly. I, I don't think it's okay to say, you know, homosexuality, you know, it's a sin, you're going to hell. Well, can you tell me, according to your interpretation, according to the Bible, you read about sins and going to hell, can we talk about other sins too? Because I don't feel it's right to talk about this gentleman who you suspect is a homosexual or this lady who you think is a lesbian. At the same time, you know, past the son over there sleeping with everybody in the church. Uh-huh. We ain't said nothing exactly. Along with the pastor. Okay. <laughs> Hello? The teen girl who's pregnant, let's bring her up before the congregation and have her apologize. But we don't Can we bring talk up about her the teen man. boy? Hmm. We never exactly. brought the teen boy up that you know got her pregnant. 
We never yeah. talked about the grown woman who is an evangelist who's sleeping with everybody, too. So I'm just saying, yeah. if we're going to talk yeah. about one thing, can we talk about all of them and those people that we know are not living according to the word? Can we talk about all of them and the appropriate consequences, not just homosexuals, mm-hmm. because I feel the majority of my members are not homosexuals, so we can beat up on them exactly. because that's okay. I yeah, like that's that. true. And see, for me, I'm not so it don't bother me as much for as a personal like it don't bother me, it don't convict me because I know God for myself, so it don't uh-huh. bother me. But what bothers me is because our youth today are so weak, yeah, mm-hmm. so frail, and can you exactly. imagine a little boy at the brink of? Killing himself because he don't want to be gay. Oh my God! And Nate, go mm-hmm. hear a sermon, something like this. Nate, yeah. And he kill mm-hmm. himself at the church. That's the mm-hmm. stuff that. And it's so funny. I had a talk. I had this conversation with a pastor of mine before, and mm-hmm. you know, he was telling me why he don't speak against homosexuality. He said mm-hmm. one because he don't understand it, so he can't okay. speak against something he don't understand. And he said because okay. all God taught him to do was love. Mm-hmm. And share the good news, because that's what the Bible wants us to do: share the good news. Because you can't, you draw exactly. more people to to the Christ with the good news than you can yes. with telling them they're going to hell. So mm-hmm. for me, I just worry about younger people, you know, mm-hmm. that may not be as strong as me, or may not have gotten to the point that I'm that I'm at in and accepting who I am. And I don't care what, I mean, of course I care what people think, but it don't affect me what people think. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think for me, I just don't, I hate to think of someone's younger that was at the point of no return and they got to church and heard that and went and killed themselves. Well, Nate, I am so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Because that was one of the things that bothered me as well. I remember I was in a church service, and I remember that there was someone there, and it was they had went through a full service. I think it might have been a revival or something. You've done this whole service, and, you know, it's time for people to come up to the altar, whatever, whatever. And a young woman stood up and talked about she was thankful for the word that went forth, and she um, said that, you know, she had plans to commit suicide that night. And all I remember thinking was, and this is at the part where I was like, it's just time to go, all of this, this is too much, you guys are, the focus is no longer on Christ and the Bible, I can't do this anymore. But I'm thinking we can go here and do this pretend speaking tongues, and we got the pump and the circumstance and the order of services and da, 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 hours and hours in. You mean there wasn't the Holy Ghost in anyone to tell you that this child was in trouble? There was no Holy Ghost to pinpoint. Even the Holy Ghost wasn't going to tell you this child was going to kill herself. There was no Holy right. Ghost to perk somebody's spirit to say. This child is in trouble. I need somebody that knows the word of prayer to pray over her. Mm-hmm. Because we're too busy in the pomp and circumstance. And I think that has also been one of my hurts when we talk about teens especially. Well, she's mm-hmm. knocked up. Well, he's gay. Yep. Well, she looks like a lesbian. Okay, mm-hmm. even if all of that's true, they're still persons. Do we know? You, you, you didn't even stop to think about 
the circumstances, what the person's going through. If we we use teen pregnancy, you know, the the other parent may not be a part of their lives anymore. They might have had a devastating breakup. Now I'm trying to deal with how am I going to raise this child? I may not have finances. Am I going to school? Nobody looks at the humanity. But you want to talk about when they're knocked up, where she's this and he's this and da da da. So that was sort of my thing with the homosexuality when you brought that up, Nate. No one's looking at the human anymore. We're looking at the condemnation, but we're not looking at the human flesh. And like you said, um, me as someone that's been on that side of the road with the suicide and, and depression and all of that, you know, would you have been the type of Christian that would have pulled me off the ledge or pushed me over? And that's sort of for Christianity, the way I try to live my life as a Christian. I don't want to be that Christian that condemns you to hell instead of opening up my arms and just loving you and praying that whatever you stand in need of, not what I think is right or what I've been taught is right or wrong, but whatever you stand in need of, that God will fix it. That's all I'm supposed exactly. to do and love you. Not push and not you that off love. <laughs> and not that love that I love you, but I hate the sin. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 That's a whole show. That. That's a whole show. <laughs> that's a whole, don't don't do it. Oh, yes. Let me go ahead okay. and give out the show phone number for some of those that might be on the website. It is one seven one three nine five five zero seven nine three. Just in case you have a comment to add. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. See, you forgot the other line, um, Nate. I uh-huh. love you with the love of Jesus, but I don't like the life you living. Mm. Don't well, like you don't the life love you me. living. <laughs> Until it's your sin, and then you know exactly. exactly. And then that's when sin, I turn around and I say, you know what? Says. And if you would stop homunging, I would love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start going to church with Nate. I'm telling you, oh, I got to go Lord. to church with Nate. Lord have mercy. I think they'd probably kick us out. Mm. <laughs> that might be kind yeah. of fun, though. That I've might done be that before. Fun. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I need to go to church with Nate. That might be kind of might be kind of interesting. But, you know, even more interesting were some hot topics in the media. And, you know, oh, I've been trying so hard not to talk about this one. I, I really... I was trying not to talk about it because I think it's some foolishness, and it came up a few times, but you know what? Now I think it's the third time this has come up again, so I have to go there because I want to hear what the panel has to think. The caption read, North Carolina lottery winner spends $9 million to bail convict fiancé out of jail twice. Actually, now it's the third time, but I'm going to get to that. Um... Marie Holmes, and I remember this, I was seeing her on the news. I was so happy when they said she won this lottery because it was $188 million. Uh-huh. After taxes, I think it was like $88 million, but she was a single mom Isn't of four. Isn't that crazy? It is. I mean, she's a single mom of four. She claimed that she had been forced to quit her jobs at Walmart and McDonald's because she had to take care of her children full time, and one of her sons had uh, cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. So she was, you know, she won the Powerball, and she told the media, I want to use the cash to finish college and set tuition funds up for four, for all four of my children. And she said, mm-hmm. I quote, this is all for them 
all the struggle I ever went through, it's all for them. Money mm-hmm. doesn't change it, but money's going to help me. And I was so happy until week <laughs> after her windfall, the first time, she paid $3 million to bail her boyfriend out of jail. He was reportedly arrested in November 2014 following a year-long investigation into drug trafficking rings and charged with trafficking heroin and possession with intent to manufacture, sell, and deliver. Then in August, as the first time she bailed him out was March, in August she paid another $6 million in bail. He was arrested a second time. He was investigated after 8,000 bags of heroin were discovered in the area. Now, he's got numerous counts of drug possessions going all the way back to 2000. Um, He was taken in police custody, but this time he's also wearing a GPS monitoring device. But when Mm -hmm. authorities went to arrest him, they noticed a strong smell of marijuana in the house that he shared with Marie Holmes. Uh, a forty-five caliber pistol was also found in the home, and then Holmes' boyfriend was charged, and she was charged with possession yeah, of. Yeah, I was going to say um, she was charged too, right? Right. They arrested her as well, but the outrage really came from Facebook when it said, "What y'all?" And this was her response. Everybody talking about this and talking about this. Uh, what y'all need to be worried about is y'all money, and not how I spend mine. <laughs> that is benefiting y'all how. And no, he's not a drug dealer or user, but who are y'all to judge anybody? I will definitely pray for y'all because it's much needed. They talked about Jesus, so I'm not surprised y'all are talking about me, but be blessed, though. Okay. Oh, that's So then blessing. just a few days ago, it was reported that her boyfriend, Lamar, was charged for the third time this year and is now facing possession of a firearm charge, but this time the bail is only $10,000. So I want to ask y'all, what, what do you think of the lessons that we learned from this story? That's all I want to know. She's a true ride or die. She ride or die. Get right? it, girl. Honey, what do you mean? Didn't she ride or die? They ain't made nothing good enough. Now she <laughs> got on TV and said she was using the money to send the kids to school. <laughs> Well, Nate, she could have still put some to the side for the kids. Hmm. You know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes you need the one, and that one do some special stuff, and you lose all <laughs> your mind. Huh. And money, money ain't as important no more when people can do tricks and stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> well, honey, I tell special? you one thing. I'm glad I don't know about no tricks and stuff they can do, because for $88 million, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care if Swilly was around your neck. You're not getting $9 million, and now you're talking about another 10000 from $88 million? No, nah, bro, I'm going to leave you right there. Because at some point, Mm-mm. she should have thought about that the first one. I would have said, child, now nah, I can keep my $9 million or bail him out. Which one it is? Hmm. I might put some money on your canteen, but I ain't going to do no $9 million. I ain't think uh-huh. I put no money on your canteen because as far as I'm concerned, once I got to that $88 million and you was in jail, oh, it was over. Bye, me and my kids gone. I'm not even going to be in the same country because you know everybody you know and everybody you don't know who claim they know you, they're going to be trying to get some of your $88 million. No, 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 no. I'm going to go somewhere where they don't even speak English. Thank you. Mm-mm. I couldn't do it. But, of course, since we're speaking of Lamar, 
All of y'all know about the Lamar Odom tragedy. And, you know, I was going to bring up this hot topic because, you know, in the past couple of days, people have been trying to tie religion to this as well. Um, mm-hmm. For I'm just going to do a replay in case somebody didn't hear about the story. I didn't hear about um, that. You know, somebody may not have. <laughs> On Tuesday, October 13th, Lamar Odom was found unconscious in a Las Vegas brothel. Employees said that he used cocaine and other drugs. Um, he was given up for dead because, by reports, he was comatose um, when they actually flew him to the hospital. I think he was airlifted. But since he was not legally divorced from his estranged wife, Chloe Kardashian, she was legally in charge of making all his medical decisions. Now, in a strange twist of fate, um, Lamar starts showing signs of recovery. He was even taking his first step since the tragedy, and then they moved him to Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles for recovery. And then on this past Wednesday, a Los Angeles uh, County Court approved a request by Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom to formally call off their divorce. And what media is saying is that it took a near tragedy for Khloe and Lamar to reunite and cancel the divorce process. So the question to the panel is this. Do you think God would allow or create divine interruptions, tragedies, or rough circumstances in our lives to accomplish his purpose for us? Absolutely. I would agree. Say that. I would agree, but I would prefer them not to attach this to Chloe and Lamar. That's Hallelujah. Thank you. Lord. Can we have another example? Why not? <laughs> That's know my that. personal opinion. Oh, hmm. go ahead, Danielle. I'll take it right on after you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to explain why I feel some type of way about this situation. Come on. So, Khloe Kardashian is on a reality TV show. And oh, I, happen okay. to, I, I don't follow the, re, the reality show, but I have happened to have heard that part of the storyline has been, oh, Lamar's calling me. Oh, Lamar hmm. wants me back. Oh, I'm so worried about Lamar, 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 Lamar. And then this situation kind of happens. And, yeah, they haven't had the news reporters there, but it's this big, huge spotlight on the reality show and their situation. And that's it's up and down, up and down all the time. So what I don't want people mm-hmm. to say is this situation is one of those examples because they back together now. But what happens if he relapses or it's not mm. good for ratings or people aren't listening anymore? Is she going to stay with Lamar? I don't think that that's a good example to be associating religion and circumstance and purpose in life with Chloe and Lamar, in my personal exactly. opinion. And it's funny and because I felt the same way, Danielle, because mm-hmm. um, when I know – when you look at video footage of Lamar, he really was in love with that girl. Yep. And it wasn't until I heard, matter of fact, it was E! News, that little dish, because I didn't understand why they was they did like this whole memoir to Lamar. It was almost like he was dead. Mm-hmm. And they stated Well, some people did that, report that he was dead. And they stated that um, Chloe only went to his side after his mom after her mom convinced her to go. And we all know that the mama don't do nothing unless it's bringing money into her purse. Mm-hmm. Well, dang. that's true. Well, dang. 
I guess my thing is, to me, it's sort of like the devil clause where everybody blames the devil. So now uh-huh. you want to, you know, write your little story from the media. Well, the Lord, look what he allowed to happen so they could cut. You know what? Stop blaming the devil and stop blaming the Lord or giving him credit for stuff that really ain't got nothing to do with him. Now, I do believe that God can take certain situations. I, I don't believe he creates tragic things. I do believe that he will allow, and the Bible says that, he will allow things to happen and use them for his purpose. But a lot of times, you know, situations like this, from all reports, Lamar was a troubled soul. And it wasn't just the Khloe Kardashian pending the all. I mean, he had a whole history of things from youth uh-huh. that, 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 you know, were problematic. So my thing is he, he ended up in a tragic set of events that were at his own causing. Um, it, I'm not placing blame here. I'm just saying what the actual story is. And then okay. you guys were divorcing. And just like a lot of things in life, near-death experiences, sometimes that does make people, you know what, what we're doing back and forth, this is stupid. So let's, you know, really think about this. Let's put things on pause, and maybe we need do need to get things a second try. I can't say God did that. You created certain events or you had certain parts that you played in this, and because of a near tragedy that resulted in some of the things you were doing, it caused you to stop the foolishness, think about some things, and maybe reanalyze. I don't think God had anything to do with that. You know, people want to put God on everything. I don't think God had anything to do with that. I mean, God does believe in marriage. God does honor marriage. But I don't think Mm -hmm. that has anything to do with God. Maybe the fact that this man is still alive, but the fact that y'all are going to hold off the divorce proceedings, I think that has nothing to do with God. You were just, at least one of you was probably just a foolish person. You were self-absorbed. You know, it was fun when you wanted to talk about the divorce and he's stalking me and he's doing this and did it, did it, did it, did it. And now that the man almost died, okay, now I want to think about, oh, okay, well. God has called us back together. When he <laughs> was already spiraling, he was already spiraling out of control once his yeah. friend died. It just wow. feels and then, then the divorce was just one more thing that added to his addiction right. or his fix. Mm-hmm. And eventually, whenever you do bad things, something's going to happen. Exactly. It's going to catch up with you. And I'm glad he didn't die, thank God. Yes, Praise Lord. the Lord. And then I hope God do get the glory out of his life from right. this situation. Yes, Lord. I know Mr. Strayhorn got something to say. I feel it in the air. I'm just shaking my leg, shaking my leg, shaking my leg. That means he really <laughs> wants to say something. Oh, oh no, nah, but you know what? Sometimes it's show. best to just be quiet. I did hear <laughs> the man tonight said, you know, when he was talking about the preachers bashing from the pulpit, he said there's no, need, no reason for you to get yourself worked up because some people are not going to be changed. Their mind is not going to be changed. Their attitudes are not going to be changed until God changes them. So, you know, for mm-hmm. me to sit here and to uh, – and I've tried to – express how I feel about God's interventions uh, with a couple people on this line a couple times, and still they don't get it. So I'm, I think I'm just going to just just probably be quiet and let God do it, because he's done it before. You know, what, the biggest thing that for me in this whole new journey, this whole new journey that I'm taking, is realizing that 
nothing catches God by surprise. Before we were even born, our steps were already pre-ordered. That's what really oh, captivates me. Everything, even this conversation tonight, as minute of a detail in our lives as this is, um, God has already predestined this to happen. So we don't know what reason Chloe and Lamar got together. Uh, we don't know what went on in their relationship. Perhaps something happened, and they had to, you know, they had to be separated for a while. Sometimes it takes tragedy for us to realize what we had, and maybe now something she realizes, you know, happened. she really does love. She really does love Chloe. I mean, love Lamar or whatever. And for whatever reason, they got back together. But God could very much have a, a, a hand in what's going on between them, regardless of her job. That's that's how she makes her money. Uh, whether she, she was, you know, a housekeeper, a reality star, whatever. That's how she makes her money, but love is love. You know, she loves him. You know, it could take a tragedy, almost losing him, for her to realize, oh, my God, you know, I do want to be with this guy. That's just how I she, feel about it. She, she put pretenses on it, though. She said, I want to be with you if you leave crack alone. Crack was what broke them up. Crack is the problem. So if he gets all better and goes back to crack, is she going to stay for the ride or is she going to bail out? I well, think that's the same thing she, with any marriage. You, you can leave somebody for beating on you. He said, I'm going to get back together. You know, let's get back together. I'm not going to beat you no more. If he beats you again, then, you know, you got to make a decision the same way. I, I agree. I, I just, I'm going to have to agree to disagree. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that's we, cool. But you know what? Huh. I don't know why y'all agree and disagree. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a very important event that's coming up shortly, and we want to make oh, sure yes. that we hear about that. And I believe Miss Danielle is going to tell us. Yes. All right, all right. Well, when we come back for commercial, you're going to hear from Miss Deborah Banks. Welcome She's going to share. Basement Radio. I have the pleasure. Go ahead. When you come back from commercial, you're going to hear from Miss Deborah Banks. <laughs> She's going to share an event that's coming up. your daughter, your sister, your friend. On a cold autumn day, 19-year-old Arlen decided to end her life. She tucked a tiny stuffed rabbit into one pocket and a suicide note in the other. She said she wanted to be with her baby. Her friend said she didn't want the abortion. Most women don't. Over 60% involve coercion. They say the worst part of the pain is that there's no one to share it with. Learn more about unwanted abortions and how to help or find help at theunchoice.com. You're listening to Let's Face It, one of the hottest talk radio shows on the web. Are you looking for more exposure for your brand, product, event, or special story? Let's Face It Radio is the place for you. We're also seeking guest experts specializing in sex and relationships, health and wellness, politics, law, spirituality and religion, just to name a few. Looking for low-cost marketing opportunities? Well, look no further. We offer multiple advertising campaigns via website ads or audio commercial opportunities played live during the show. Visit www.letsfaceitradio.com and complete the appropriate contact form for more information. Let's Face It Radio. I have the pleasure of introducing to you Miss Deborah Banks. She's the self-proclaimed numbers lady. 
She's the lead consultant of TNC Business Consulting, where she assists business owners with growing their visions into profits. Her career has included positions in multiple business functional areas, from finance, marketing, to operations. Please help me in welcoming to Let's Face It Radio, Ms. Banks. How are you this evening? I'm great, Danielle. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be a part of your program this evening. Oh, thanks for coming. We appreciate you joining the show and sharing some information to our listeners. Can you tell us more about your business? Sure. The name of my business is TNC Business Consulting, where TNC stands for the numbers count. And my tagline is that the numbers count for business success. So I'm real excited to, as you said, the self-proclaimed numbers lady, to share my love of numbers with business owners who may not be in love with them as much as I am, but I'm here to share how understanding your numbers and running your business by the numbers is really the key, the secret sauce to business success. Yes, that's very important, and I'm one of those people who struggle with the numbers, so I I would be (laughs) very interested in your services, and I'm sure many other business owners can benefit from uh, the assistance that you provide them with understanding their numbers to grow their profits. So I understand that you are organizing an event. Can you talk to me a little bit about that event and uh, the focus of it? Sure. As part of the Jazz Legacy Weekend, I am hosting a business workshop called Jazz Up Your Business and understanding the peak method to profits. So just to give you a little bit more information about the Jazz Legacy Weekend, I am a former board member of the Jazz Legacy Foundation here in the Norfolk, Portsmouth, Virginia, Virginia Beach area where uh, the mission is to transform young lives through scholarships and mentoring and all for the purpose of the preservation of jazz. And as part of that weekend, uh, we decided that we wanted to have some value add for the members that are attending the weekend and for the general public in the uh, Hampton Roads area. And so the Jazz Up Your Business workshop is going to be held on Saturday, November the 14th, from 11 a.m. to 12 noon uh, there in the Hampton Roads area. Wow. Wow, that sounds exciting. Are there specific topics that will be addressed? Yes. We'll be speaking about the PEAK method to business profits. And the PEAK method is a method that I develop in using your numbers to achieve business success. And PEAK, P-E-A-K, P-E-A-K stands for project and plan, and that's about looking forward at your business. This is business analysis. It's not looking backwards in terms of accounting and taxes, but projecting forward what it is that you're looking to achieve in terms of sales and profit and loss and conversion ratios, all those things. And I provide clients with easy-to-use templates to project forward. And then E stands for evaluate, where after you project, you evaluate the projection against actual. And A stands for adjust, where you 
adjust your strategy, adjust your plan, pricing, whatever it it takes to achieve the objectives that you have for your business, and K stands for keep growing. So that's what we'll be talking about during the session, how to create peak profit in your business, whether you're a startup or a relaunch or a business has been in in um, existence for a period of time, but you want to look forward to 2016 with a refreshed vision of what you can achieve for your business. Ms. Banks, it sounds like your uh, session is going to be geared to all types of business owners. Like you said, those who have already been in business for a while, those new startup business owners can come there and get the information they need to be successful next year. Is there a cost to attend this event? There is not a cost to attend the event. Again, we are having it as a value add for those that are attending the various jazz concerts that are part of the Jazz Legacy Foundation weekend. And we decided that since we're there and we have the opportunity to share with the members with the attendees of the jazz concert, we will also extend it out to the general public in the Hampton Roads area to give anyone who's looking to jazz up their business the opportunity to come to this workshop on Saturday, November the 14th at 11 a.m. And, again, it's at the Hampton Roads Convention Center. And anyone can get more information by emailing me uh, at Deborah. D E B R A at DebraBanks dot com. Well, Miss Banks, I thank you for all the information and listeners. The Jazz Legacy sold out, but you still have an opportunity to gain some very useful information to grow your business. So I encourage you to check her website. Excuse me, her e- email her and sign up. Is there a sign up? Yes, I would like to know how many people are attending. Again, it's Deborah at DebraBanks.com is the email address. But regarding the Jazz Legacy Weekend, there are some tickets available for Sunday's brunch, which is going to be a jazz gospel brunch. And it's from 1 to 4 on Sunday, November the 15th. And for additional information for the tickets for that, you just go to uh, jazzlegacyfoundation.org or you can email me and I'll give you additional information. Or you can call the founder of the Jazz Legacy Foundation. His name is Alvin Keels, and his number is 757-737-2416. And again, the Jazz of the Business Workshop is intended to be a value add to the attendees of the Jazz Weekend and an opportunity for anyone in the Hampton Roads area to come and jazz up their business. Thanks again for the information, Ms. Banks. If someone is interested in reaching out for services through your organization outside of the event, is would the email be the best contact, or would you like, re- like to refer them to additional contact information for you? The email is great. Again, Deborah at DebraBanks.com. I also have a Facebook page that's TNC Business Consulting on Facebook. Also on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn with Deborah Banks. 
And so either of those are great ways to get additional information on my services around consulting with startups already in existence, any kind of business, even if you're ready to just take it to the next level. I use that process of looking at the numbers as a a way to help a business to go to the next level. All right. Well, thanks again for your time, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. You take care. All right. Thank you, Danielle. Good night. Okay, that was really good information. Yeah. And a free event. Mm. Help business owners with their numbers. That's important. It it really is. Even if, you know, the numbers in some part of your business, whether it's actual dollars or the clients or the um, market awareness, you know, different aspects, the numbers are very important. But, you know, I keep going back to tonight's topic of faith Mm -hmm. beyond belief, faith beyond belief. What is one area that you feel like you have faith beyond belief in or maybe an area that you need additional faith in? Well, I would say beyond belief would be my business because he has made some things happen that I couldn't even imagine when it comes to business success. Areas that I need to work on is intimate relationships, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to detail about that one. Hallelujah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nate? Oh, bless him, Jesus. He's oh, Lord, Nate. Soon and very soon. So, <laughs> for me, I just believe that I just have to have faith to know when he tells me to do something, he has a purpose behind me doing it. Come on, man. All right. Go on, Pat. So instead of procrastinating and don't wanting to do it because of what I think people are going to say, I just mm. need to step up to the plate and do it. Mm. Go ahead now. Go ahead now. Liz? Um, I think my faith in God is pretty strong. I think I just need to have more faith in myself that God has equipped me with everything I need and just go for it because a lot of times I do question myself. I don't really, you know, question God, is this, it's more like, well, Liz, can you really handle this? So I just need to have more faith in myself to know that, you know, God has really given me what I need. I know that's right. And of course, I got to hear from Mr. Strayhorn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. I would imagine that it would just be, um, Probably at this junction that he knows what's best, and for me to just be patient and just stay out of my own way, because sometimes I sabotage myself. So just the, oh, the like thing that. I'm having the, the hardest time is just realizing because I have my life planned out. None of this stuff is supposed to happen. You know, going on. So just to know that he has a better view of how my life is going to end up, and that he can get me there faster than I can. So just to stay out of my own way and to have patience, and you know. Trust the process that he's 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 guiding me where I need to be. Mm, I love that. And of course, I guess I have to answer the question. Um, yes, you do. Ah, it's like you would think because I listen to all y'all answers, I have more time to come up with answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, well, I like what they said. I like what they said. I like what they said. Um, 
I guess spiritually wise. Oh man, I mean it's so much. I'm not a pastor. I, I'm just a, a kingdom-minded woman of God. But I just, I really have faith that this nation will come back to God. And when I say that, I don't mean in, oh, we're going to solve the problem with all the people that live this lifestyle or that lifestyle. That's not what I mean. I'm not talking about a particular religion, a particular denomination. I'm saying that everything that we talked about in this show that would stand in the way or put put a sour taste in people's mouths mm-hmm. against church, against relationship with God, against who God is to them, a relationship with God. I, I, I just I want to see churches, at least in America, change to where they were originated to be. Not places of judgment and condemnation, but places where people can grow, people can strengthen their relationship with God, and people can find healing and restoration. People can find guidance. Um, That's where my heart has always been for ministry in American churches. Um, I'm blessed to have that. I have been blessed that when I didn't find that, God always sent me to where it was. But that is not the experience of every person. Um, So that is my prayer because People are going through a lot. People need those things that when church is done right, and when I say church, I'm not just talking about a building. I'm talking about what God intended it to be. When it's done right, it is a beautiful experience. When it's done wrong, it can literally be a living hell, and I don't think I need to go into all those details. So that's my thing. And then I guess personally, just trusting God and, and, and just completely in everything, not the things I think I can control, and then, you know, I, I'll give him the stuff I don't think I can control, but just giving everything to him and be fully led for every single step solely based on what he says. That's my higher goal or, or higher attainment um, goal, you could say. Awesome. But, Will, what's coming up next week? Well, you know, next week, where we made the first is next week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have uh Don't we have remind a, me. Yeah. We have a, a big <laughs> week coming up next week. Um the Achi oh Awards. Alicia is up for how many awards, Alicia, was it? My I last am up count for which two is two that I know of. <laughs> you're up for two. Two that I know right, of. Right. So you're up for two awards at the Achi Awards and you and I both are presenting together. Oh um, my god. Are we still doing that? Yeah, that's gonna be yes, we're still doing that. So oh God. we won't be here next week. We're going to have a surprise show. Um, the, all the hosts have off next Sunday, but we're going to have a surprise show. So make sure that you do tune in. Check us out on um, Facebook. Check us out on Twitter and on um, iTunes. And definitely tune in to Let'sFaceItRadio.com. So we're going to be back live in the studio on Sunday, November the 8th. So stay tuned for what we have in store. But, um, again, next week we won't be here, um, but we'll be back on November the 8th, okay? So we want everybody to have a blessed week, and we'll see you live November the 8th. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, 
special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Hello.